Nerds and Nerds presents Publishing Insider. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. You're listening to the new Publishing Insider spin-off series where we talk to publishing insiders to give you an in-depth insight into the secret business of publishing. We are your hosts for this series, Danny V and author Adrian Beck. How are you today, Mr. Beck? I'm great, Danny. I'm very excited to speak to one of my absolute favourites in the industry. Um, so this is going to be quite an episode. So I hope everyone has has downloaded this and they're going to listen to this maybe five, six, seven hundred times is probably my is probably my <laughs> recommendation because today no we welcome <laughs> Alex Adset. She's a literary agent and publishing consultant who's been working in the publishing and bookselling industry for almost 25 years. Alex Adset Literary is a full-service literary agency representing quality works of fiction and non-fiction for children's, teens and adults. The agency provides freelance consultancy services for Australian publishers and authors, including commercial review of publishing contracts. Welcome, Alex Adset. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Welcome. That sounds so impressive, Alex. Yeah, it does sound impressive when Adrian reads it. You can just follow me around and do my bio. Oh, my goodness. Go. This is becoming a theme, Alex. People are asking Adrian if he can oh. follow them around to introduce them into rooms, I think there's like this is going to be his new career. Yeah. What's well, the voice? Thing. I mean, it's kind of creepy the idea of being followed around, but you know, <laughs> the voices, you voice is you've got that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant to say his voice is creepy. Wait, no, you hear, no. the voice you hear his, is great. If you hear yeah. The idea of Adrian following you, creepy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And singing. Adrian singing is also creepy. So. Oh. It's Although, up. if we could make that into a karaoke thing. <laughs> yes. I, I think we're on to something. Oh. I'm not sure what it is, but we're on to something. <laughs> to something. <laughs> Alex, it's great to have you here. And um, last time I saw you, it was, it was in one of those very glamorous uh, mm. moments where that we shared together. Do you remember when we last uh, caught up? Yes. It was at a, a fabulous writers' festival um, on the Gold Coast, but there had been a lot of rain. So <laughs> there was a tent yes. and there was a lot of mud in the tent. <laughs> And a smell that went with oh, the mud. Yeah. She it relates that of, experience yeah. to you. I like that. That's one of the most interesting venues for a writer's talk yes. that, that I attended. That yeah. was a tough one. I mean, it was like, I reckon the mud would have been at minimum up to our ankles. And yeah, there was quite a smell. And it was actually, it had been raining previously, but it was really hot and really humid in the tent. So yeah, no. Your gumboots, not here. No, no one had warned me about the gumboots. So I was wearing a very nice pair of leather sandals, um, <laughs> which I took off in the end and just walked around barefoot in the mud oh. because, you know, why not? Yeah. Like, I felt like I was at Splendour in the grass. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, reliving your youth. Now, right. I'm, now I'm in. <laughs> so, Alex, are all your days in the life of yourself as a literary agent, uh, are they like that, wandering through mud, barefoot in yeah. tents, or, yeah, or is it a little bit different? Yeah, every day is different <laughs> in the life of a literary agent, Adrian. Um, <laughs> mud is just part of it. No, uh, <laughs> that was a fun day, actually. That was a really, it was a really good festival, apart from the mud. Uh, but I don't know, life as an agent, it literally is every day is different. You, you can have a vague plan for what's going to happen to your day and then an email or a phone call will come through that blindsides you and you're like, okay, that's, I need to put out this fire or, oh my God, this deal has just come through. I need to start talking to people about it. So, mm. yeah. yeah. 
So you never know what you're in for. So I imagine that you're just sitting back there in the Gold Coast, some sort of pool situation, um, <laughs> and maybe on some sort of floating uh, blow-up pizza or something like that in a pool and, and reading all these manuscripts. And just going, no, on. no, yes, yes, no, yeah. no. Yes. Oh, kind of thing. Two that- things. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sadly. I mean, and the, I don't know if other people in the industry have said this, but our days are just basically emails. Mm. Um, it's our nights that we, like, two in the morning on a Saturday is when we're actually reading manuscripts because the manuscript reading is the part that just gets squished and squished and squished into the day. Yeah. So it's everything else that takes up the nine to five or the eight till seven. And you, yeah, you, you grab moments to read manuscripts as you can. Interesting. And I'm now thinking at 2am, you know, you've got your manuscript after your busy day of emails you're obviously looking for something to light your fire and it's 2am. Like, what are you looking for at 2am in a manuscript? Well, I think if I'm still reading at 2am, that's actually what I'm looking for. Is that that magic? So I might pick up, well, I try to stop doing this now, but if I pick up a manuscript at 10 o'clock at night, say, and thinking, oh, this one doesn't have a great vibe or I think I'm going to be a quick no on this one and suddenly it's two in the morning, you're like, oh, this is a good manuscript. This Mm. is one of, this is the one I've been waiting for kind of thing. Mm. And I've only had that a couple of times when I picked one up that late at night and then been reading still hours later. You're like, yes, I found one. This is yeah. amazing. That is a good test to be able to, yeah, mm. the, the 2 a.m. test with Alex. That's it. That's, uh... Well, I've got um, a publishing friend once said to me that she only reads manuscripts when she's in a bad mood Ooh. because I was like, oh, brave. Uh, but, but the idea being if the manuscript is good enough to grab her attention and take her out of the bad mood, then you're on to a winning manuscript as So well. you're just waiting to be in a bad mood or waiting to be annoyed by someone and then like, that's it, I'm going to grab my manuscript. Yeah. Well, I was always waiting for the right moment because yeah. I wanted to do justice by the manuscript and wait for, to be in a good mood and not too, you know, hot and not too cold and that, <laughs> all of this. <laughs> and so I was never reading them. Um, I also had the same thing with I hated, re- I hate rejecting manuscripts. Mm. So I used to wait. I didn't want to reject them on a Monday because mm. that would ruin the author's week and I didn't want to re- reject them on a Friday because that would ruin the weekend. So you're going to get rejected on a Wednesday. Mm. I, I used to save it, but then I put this kind of poll out um, <laughs> and asked all these writers I knew, like, is there a good or bad day? And they're like, Alex, just tell us. Yeah. <laughs> the love of God, just yeah. tell us. I don't I'm think like, there's a good day for rejection. I don't think it's ever a good day for rejection. Yeah. I once got rejected on Christmas Eve. That oh, was, uh, that was a Santa? good day. Yeah, that was that was tough. I do. I I go on a massive blitz before Christmas, but I actually I actually think about it and I plan it and go, okay, this is the last day that I, Mm. in good conscience, say no to somebody and Mm. not ruin their Christmas. Mm. Yeah, used to be Wednesdays. Used to be Wednesdays, but now Alex will Alex can reject you on any day because I've got this new I've got a new portal for manuscript submission. Okay, and it is I can just press a button now. This is life changing. I love wow. it. That's great. I, but not like, on Christmas I just, Eve. Trying to no. avoid that. Um, I will say to all the authors, I do actually care and I do read them properly. But now when I decide it's a no, there is a button. But so just, you might now get emails at 10 or 11. So it's five. just like a, not just a no or like a red, you know, siren <laughs> that comes up. It's like an email that says, It's a nice email. You're amazing. Um, but that I've curated, but <laughs> it's now all through a portal. Right. Oh, that's amazing. I thought it might be a button that you press and then, like in Mission Impossible, the <laughs> author's manuscript explodes in front of their eyes. I like that. Wow. Except See, that, that would be, be your, the next step. That'd be your laptop exploding, and I'm not that's down true. with that. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's true. That would be a lot of technology yet going up in flames. But having said that, Alex, you introduced you introduced me to Zoom. You were an early adopter of Zoom. What? Yes. I, I was into Zoom before, like in the before times. That's right. <laughs> no, Alex is Alex is a technology whiz. Um, and no, um, I was part of an amazing group that had started Zoom meetings, and, and yeah. that, so to me it was dark wizardry. And I'm like, oh, I should get in on this. And yeah. Yeah. I was amazed at the time, and now every, everyone's doing it. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're you're just setting trends. Um, <laughs> now, but we but we've um, had a bit to do with each other because you've we've worked together on a number of um, a number of projects, which is terrific. Yeah. Um, and one of the things you do now, um, <laughs> there's two things I wanted to mention here. Uh, but one of the things you do is you will help authors, n- not necessarily in a traditional um, agent sense, but mm-hmm. you'll also help authors sort of in one-off sort of capacities, helping them negotiate contracts. And you've done that a couple of times on my behalf, which and you've, you've come up with some amazing stuff. Um, and that is why I currently live in a mansion um, <laughs> o- overlooking the ocean. Um, so, so thank you for those terrific uh, you know, bonuses, million-dollar bonuses and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but um, is that something, how much of a percentage of the business is that compared to the traditional sort of uh, agent setup? Yeah. Um, and uh, do you enjoy the, you know, working out the contract? Is it a little bit like a cat and mouse sort of, uh, sort of negotiation <laughs> type thing? I mean, I, I love contracts. Like, I'm glad this podcast is, you know, words and nerds because I'm very much copywriting contracts nerd. Yeah. I love this stuff. Um, and I do. I love negotiating contracts for authors. I love publishing contracts. Don't, like, give me, don't give me a lease or, you know, anything else. It's that anything <laughs> to do with the publishing right. industry, yeah. I'm there for. And I, I do. I like, I like defending the authors. I like going in and making sure they're getting a fair deal. And if they're not getting a fair deal, at least they know what they're getting into. And that gives me a real buzz to, to feel helpful and to feel like they have someone looking at, you know, out for them. Um, I also, I'm, I'm big on fair. That's a big thing for me. So when I see a contract that has something, you know, 95% of it might be great and there's just one thing in it that's not industry standard and not reasonable, hmm. I'm able to go in with, you know, some sort of authority after having done hundreds of these things and tell the publisher, look, this isn't reasonable. Can we fix this? And if an author goes in on their own and does that, sometimes, not all publishers, but some publishers will get really condescending and go, oh, there's no such thing as standard or that doesn't really mean what you think it means. And, you know, again, after doing hundreds of these, they're not really able to come along with that condescending tone in the way that they do with some other people. Um, so I do. I love it. And I love that win or lose, I know I've done a good job by the author. And that's very different. I was doing that first before I made the jump into being an agent as well. And one of the things that really struck me about being an agent was there's no end point to the deal. Like your relationship with the author is ongoing. Um, and sometimes it's wonderful and everything's going well. And sometimes it's not. And there's a lot of tears and shoulders to cry on. It's a lot more, there's a lot more emotional investment. And I love being part of that writing journey for authors. But part of me sort of misses that, oh, but we won the contract. Can we just, can we just have a glass of champagne now (laughs) and walk away into the sunset? (laughs) Um, But in terms of my business, gosh, it started out the consultancy was 99% 99% and the agency was 1% and it's grown now to about 50-50 mm. um, in terms of what I do. Well, the agency kind of, you know, takes up maybe 90% of the time and 10% of the income <laughs> and that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's a big part of my business. So, I, And I don't ever want to give it up because there's 
far more authors in Australia than there are agents to represent them. Um, and some authors don't need, like Adrian, you're one of them. You don't need an agent. You're really good at getting the deals on your own and you just need someone to come in and help with the contract and then walk away. And there's lots of other authors out there who are like that. And some change. Some love doing it on their own to start with. And then after a while think, you know what, I do want somebody in my corner. And then some really want the agent to help start them off in the beginning and then they build up confidence and then they kind of go, you know what, I think I've got this now. So, yeah. I think because there is heaps of different types of authors, I like being able to be there to help whatever stage their journey's on. And I like that because you said, you know, you manage long-term careers, but you also, and do the overseeing contracts, which we, which we talked about, also matching books with publishers. I mean, I imagine that, you know, you need a really good knowledge of publishing, yeah. of the publishing industry to do that. Talk us through how you match a book with a publisher. Mm. Um, well, luckily, I guess um, it's a lot of talking to people, which I really like. So it's a lot of knowing the people in the publishing industry, knowing who's looking for what, um, what people's lists are doing, who might be just starting a new list, who might be, you know, it's just published, you know, in the olden days, three vampire books. And if you give them one more, they're about to start stabbing people. You know, it's, so it's about just having those discussions. It's about back in the before times, flying down to Sydney and Melbourne for launch parties and yeah. swanning around being glamorous before, you know, you go home and put your rug boots on. Um, and so so because I know the Australian publishing industry really well, when a manuscript comes my way, I can kind of go, you know what, I think this would be really good for this person, this person, this person, not this person, or I'll try them in a bit. But, you know, here are my favourites, like not favourites as in personally, but favourites for this book or this author with this person at this company. Um, so it's about, and all of that's in my head sort of thing. And I think sometimes I should try to write it down, but but it changes as well. Yeah. So what somebody's looking for this month, this year is going to be different from them, what they're looking for in six months' time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's why, that's the benefit of having someone like yourself uh, looking after an agent. Now, we've, we've talked to a couple of agents so far in this series, and it's it's really interesting. Everyone's got their own uh, take on what makes a good agent and what the role mm. technically is. But would you say there are certain types of authors you're better uh, working with than others in terms of uh, authors on the rise or authors at the top of their game or whereabouts uh, or are your authors all over the place? Are they, they, they? Yeah, they really are now all over the place. Yeah. Um, I'm working with really established, amazing authors like Melissa Lukashenko, um, Peter Grester, you know, some of, you know, Isabel Carmody, uh, some of my authors and they're, you know, huge careers um, in terms of their writing. Uh, but particularly when I started as an agent, I didn't work with other agents. I started out of nowhere. So I was working with a lot of emerging authors and I'm still working with emerging authors But because uh, I love it. I love finding those new voices. Um, and, and But it's a real mix. There are some authors that they, they'll publish a book and I'll read it and love it. And basically I stalk the author until they become my friend and then they work out that I know my stuff and then they let me be their agent. And so, yeah, there are authors that I do that with um, who establish themselves, but then I convince them that I really needed needed in their careers. I get people on the podcast. I just start stalking them, Alex. So yeah. it works. It works. I mean, this, <laughs> this is an industry of, of fans, right? Like we're in this industry because we love reading and we love other authors and uh, that's why that's why I stuck around in the industry so long is because I love it yeah. um, and being part of the journey of people. 
So I'm not myself a writer, but I love walking into a bookstore and going, I know them, they're a friend, I made them come to karaoke, you know. This is, <laughs> I just, that that's where I get my buzz is knowing the people who are out there publishing the great book. So I think if we ever get together, it's going to have to be karaoke because but, Alex is yeah. right into this karaoke. I, publishing karaoke is a thing. I once made an author pitch to me in song at karaoke. <laughs> I love this. And then I said no to the manuscript. Oh, oh. no. I think was, actually yeah. we could do this. We could do like a karaoke pitching night. It would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. be. Everyone has to pitch karaoke and you just get to say no, yes, you get to <laughs> Oh, no, no. You have to say yes on the spot. Oh, really? When they they pitch to you, you say, yes, send it to me. Oh, right, right. And then when you read it, Mm. if it's not clicking and you're not falling in love with it, then you have to be a no. Mm -hmm. Karaoke pitching, I think we've just made something up. Alex, what is your go-to for a karaoke song? Ooh, um, I can't be karaoke unless somebody does Total Eclipse of the Heart. Uh, yes. That's Classic. not mine. I do back up on that. Um, back up. Just got back <laughs> I do back up, up on most. Lee. I actually have a terrible voice. I just really love. But isn't the- that the point of karaoke? Like you don't want someone getting up there being good. Oh, any good karaoke. Is it not the stage karaoke? You know, oh. everybody in a box, in a room, karaoke, oh. everybody singing. Wow. Oh, you, you is that like one of those rooms, like one of those trapped-in rooms that you're all just yeah. in? Like an escape room, karaoke. It's like an escape room, but for karaoke with a glitter ball. Oh, wow. Alex. And one of those old-school crooner mics. When are you in Sydney? Because I'm so keen for this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realise that this is how you operated, Alex. So I, yeah. I, if, you, if there's any emerging oh. authors out there that get invited to an escape room karaoke October. session with it's Alex... On. It's yep. on. Do it. On. Well, if anyone wants to come along to the Small Press Network conference, which is usually in November in Melbourne, they're, they're, we've be, it's become a karaoke thing. It's on. I'm actually, every conference I go to, we're just making it a karaoke thing. <laughs> I, love so, it. I love it. Well, I think I'm going to have to turn this episode into a karaoke theme. No. Quick, Adrian, get on it. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering what your go-to would be, Danny. I reckon. Uh, oh, I love rock and roll. This? No, oh. Joan Jett. Uh, yeah. Oh, song. yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what about you, AB? What's yours? Oh, look, I, I, I couldn't go past a bit of uh, Four Non Blondes. What's going Ooh, on? That is yes. an excellent song. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Can you give us a bit now? What's going on? <laughs> and I said, no, that's it. Um, oh. hey, hey, Alex, you mentioned before, before we got completely sidetracked by that, yeah. um, you mentioned about the journey of an author. So oh. what do you keep in mind when you're working out the long-term management oh. of an author? Like wh- where do you start? What do you have to keep in mind as you continue and all that okay. sort of thing? How does that work? Yeah, well, it's it's a lot about talking with every, every author is going to be different and every author is going to have different goals. And so some might say, look, I want to build my career as a picture book author. How do I do that? And I'm like, okay, these sort of things. Um, sometimes you have authors going, I'm writing, look, I'm writing young adult, I'm writing nonfiction, I'm writing picture books, I'm writing middle grade. I want to do it all. How do I do that? I'm like, look, we can. I'm not going to say to anybody, don't do this. Um, it's more about sort of going, well, look, strategically, here is an option. How does that feel? Always write what's in your heart is like the biggest thing for me. Um, If your heart is telling you to write a zombie novel right now, that's tough. You know, so there are things that I can steer you away from. Do it anyway. (laughs) Don't do zombies and vampires right now. Give it a few more years. Um, But also maybe you're writing your zombie novel now and by the time it's ready in a few years, zombies will be hot again. Maybe it can be like a zombie rural romance. Yeah. See? (laughs) Done. 
I really wanted go ghost romance to be a thing, and it never, it never took off. A go but see, because you know, Ruro is rural romance. Yeah, yeah go I really wanted go and no one else was doing it. There I'm was so like two. Adrian started writing it already. He started. Yeah, I'm writing it right now. He's writing a ghost romance. Go-ro. Go-ro. <laughs> so what are you thinking, Alex? You're thinking like one of the love interests is a ghost? And, yeah, that's, and, that's And one is not a, a ghost? Yeah. Right. Um, they yeah. meet in dark, like, churches and graveyards? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Ghosts have moved on. Ghosts, ghosts are in, like, fabulous mansions now. Mm. And you know, <laughs> and haunting cool hipster bars. That that's where the ghosts are hanging out. Right. Okay. So right. if if you're an author with that something along those lines up your sleeve, hit up Alex. I'd said straight yeah. away. She's Although bang up. Although sadly, it's not a thing. I, I would just love like it to saying. Be a thing. I like saying go row. I mean, <laughs> what genre do you write? Go row. Go row. <laughs> uh, but to be more serious, it is. It's tough. Like, um, it's it's tough to make anyone call, and there's no right or wrong answer. Uh. But it, it's really about hearing what the author wants to do and kind of going, look, yep, we could make that work in this way or, you know, maybe rest your zombie novel for the moment and work on, you know, something that, you know, your thriller um, set on a train with a, you know, woman in the title. That's, you know, mm. not hot right now, but it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> it, this kind of thing. Um, and it's also the kind of author because if they say to me, oh, I've heard... Goro is really big right now. Um, should I write one of those? I'm like, well, how fast do you write? Because mm. if you're one of those writers that can get something out within three months and we can see that a trend is happening, sure, let's do that. But if you're a writer that takes five years to write a novel, then there's no point looking at trends because by the time you finish the book, the trend's moved on. So all of that. Like you can't guess what the industry is going to do. You can, you can see what it's not doing right now. But actually knowing what the big next big thing is is really tough. So it's really my biggest advice is just write what you want to write, what's really inspiring you right now as an author, uh, and then we'll find a way to make it work. It's great advice. It's great advice. I love it. it hey, the other thing I heard from an agent once was um, if you if your first bake, breakthrough, I was going to say breakthrough, I've got food on the brain. If, you, if your first breakthrough uh creation work was like a picture book then you are forever a picture book author and it's very very hard to break out of that pigeonhole and whatever it might be that you started with do you think that's correct alex do you think you could shepherd people in other directions if they felt like they were pigeonholed or what's your take on that you can you you can try yeah i don't think anyone's ever pigeonholed it goes back to that write what you love so if picture books are no longer calling to you don't feel trapped don't feel like you're being forced into that um if something else like if you're working on something else and it's good enough it's always going to break through mm -hmm. you might not always be able to build on the name that you built in one section so if you're a picture book author and you've got a really big name there publishers might know who you are and you might have a few more ins that way but readers necessarily if you're writing an adult literary the readers aren't necessarily going to come with you sometimes they do sometimes you do have enough cut through mm. uh but uh, yeah it's there's no, again, you know, there's no one right or wrong way to do this. And it's so hard to make any book work. It's so hard to make any career as an author work that why not take chances? Like, you know, the, it, that's the only way you're going to get ahead. And if at the end of the day you're happy and you've made a good book happen in the world, then that's enough. 
And you see some people just do it seamlessly. You know, I'm thinking yeah. of Jackie French. I'm thinking of Jack Heath. They just, you know, they go between these genres from uh-huh. kids to, you know, crime to Nicholas historical J. Johnson. fiction. Yeah, and they just do you know, this, like, amazingly, yeah. and, and it seems seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, Maxine Bernaber-Clark is another yeah. one. Like, she's yeah. got this amazing picture book. Yeah, picture I love that, that picture she's book. doing. Yeah. And then her really incredible, powerful adult stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, don't let anyone ever say never. You know, you might get people making a face going, oh, it's going to be hard, <laughs> in which case, like, are you up for that battle? But if you believe in the work enough, do it. On the other side of that coin, uh, pragmatic publishing uh, is a term that we've heard. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen someone who, like you're saying, that they've identified a trend correctly and they can turn it around quickly. Have you ever seen that actually be successful or is it because uh, because there's not as much heart and love that goes into the project? Does it, does it ever reach the same heights as those other lightning in a bottle sort of projects? Oh, look, yes and no, because look, unless you have the love and the heart there as well, no, I don't see it working. But I do see people pragmatically going, I am going to write in this genre and I'm going to investigate the hell out of it, learn how it works, but also with a real love for it and make it work. Um, so I do see that happening. It's the ones the, the ones that really flop um, are when people go in very cynically without the love. Mm-hmm. And because I do a lot of work with genre, so I do a lot of work in crime, science fiction, fantasy, romance, and those when those genres work, they work really well and they, a lot of our bestsellers come from them. So particularly romance, people are very dismissive of romance and they think, oh, romance authors are making all the money. I'm a literary author. I'll write one of those. I'll knock one out. And it's an art to writing a romance novel in the same way as it's an art to writing a literary novel. They're just different skills. And an amazing romance works for different reasons than an amazing literary book. So when somebody comes along very condescendingly and tries to break into that, people can tell. Readers who love the genre can tell. I was about to say readers would be the first people to be able to pick that inauthenticity because they're the the people who it's appealing to. They know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And look, science fiction as well. You get a literary author comes along going, I'm using the tropes of science fiction to tell my (laughs) deep and meaningful story about a robot who has emotions. And science fiction authors like, we have been doing this for 80 years. (laughs) So that's the cynical kind of publishing that drives me crazy is Mm. when they without the love I get a lot of pictures from authors who try to do that going I'm not a science fiction reader but I'm using the tropes of science fiction to tell my great philosophy and you're like I am a science fiction reader so being rude and condescending about a genre I love right Mm. from the get-go is not a good way to get an agent but it does it takes a long time to create a book you know from the idea to the writing to the editing to the publishing it it takes years so I don't know why you'd want to write something that you don't love Mm -hmm. you know because otherwise it's a lot of time you've invested in something that might not work absolutely and I I like and you can like publishing there again no guarantees you can publish what you think in the most cynical way is going to be a best guaranteed bestseller and it might just flop so my again one rule is you I've got to love what it is and I want the author to love what it is because even if you get it out in the world and you've been working on it for years and it does flop at least you've got something that two people in the world are proud of <laughs> you know <laughs> hopefully you have thousands of people loving it but well, speaking the end to of the, the day here there's no yeah. cynics in this room correct <laughs> <laughs> Hey, speaking of the the flops, and we don't want to get uh, bogged down on the flops, but um, but 
like with Hollywood blockbuster studios, like they have these tentpole movies and all the rest, and they sort of support the rest of the movies. Do you look look at publishing a bit like that, even from your agency's perspective, where you've got like a handful of really, you know, blockbuster authors, and they're helping out, making sure that the others who are all still very successful, but uh, sort of they help uh, make sure that you can work on a whole slew of different projects. I wish. Um, this is one of the secrets of, of certainly my part of the industry is a bestseller. Like I, I still am looking for that bestseller that's going to pay my mortgage and, you know, mean I could technically retire even though I wouldn't because I love what I do. You know, it's that I, I haven't yet had that breakthrough success. So mm. all of my authors who I love, um, you know, it's very piecemeal. It's It's taking on projects that I believe in that I want to get out there and they do well, but that, you know, none of them have become Harry Potter yet kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so, no, I'm not looking at it from my business as one that then, or one or five that, you know, fund everything else. I'm doing this as a kind of portfolio you know, of building everybody in the hope that I will then have, you know, be able to pay the rent and that they'll be able to pay the rent. And then if I get to the end of my career and that's it, that's enough for me um and if i also get authors that break through and we've all made huge wads of cash that's the bonus that's not that's not the goal that's the bonus for me but but publishing companies that have the whole infrastructure behind them do very much look at that it's the best sellers that fund everything else yeah yeah. And they're not always the guaranteed, you know, the one the guaranteed, the ones that people think are going to be guaranteed bestsellers. You know, you can get the surprise Harry Potters or the books that just come out of nowhere. But it's that idea of, well, if 5% of the books we publish in a year actually break through and make more money than, you know, we put into them, that all filters back to the others that didn't make the money that we needed <laughs> them to. Mm, yeah. It's all so very interesting. Now we've touched on a little bit about authors and some of your clients include friends of the pod, Danuka McKenzie, Isabel Carmody, Nicholas J. Johnson, Pamela Freeman, Sarah Epstein, Sophie Overett. So, so what we're going to ask is who's your favourite? No, we're not oh. asking that. <laughs> <laughs> all my favourites. Adrian, my question oh. is, Alex, <laughs> is there something that defines an Alex Adset author? being really lovely to work with <laughs> that I would say I love I mean, that I love I, all my authors are amazing like I I have this thing I one of the reasons I love zoom is I really hate phone calls I, you know and yet I'll get off any phone call with any of my authors going god that was amazing you know mm. gosh they were good to work with um so well that's yeah that's a hard to put your finger on but no the, the one thing with all the books I take on I do I love them um, and they're so different. Like Danuka's Mackenzie's book is um, a crime thriller set in the Northern Rivers, publishing next year. It's just absolutely fabulous. And then you've got Sophie over it. The Rabbits is coming out, gosh, in four weeks. And that's high literary with this twist to it, beautiful lyrical writing. And then you've got Isabel Carmody, who's one of, you know, the best well-known loved fantasy authors in Australia. So they're all different, but I think the one thing is I love them and I know they're good people to work with. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. I'm really looking forward to those books you just mentioned, actually, and I'm talking to all of those people, so I'm really excited. <laughs> I've got all those books sitting up there ready to be read. <laughs> that is very exciting. Hey, I've got we've got two more questions for you. Um, uh, the last one, of course, is our traditional anonymous author where someone has uh, disguised their voice and it's going to be a hard-hitting question, Alex, and, uh, you know, this is going to be tough for you. This is going to make or break you, I think. But, um, <laughs> no pressure, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. still sounding terrifying. <laughs> it's like... She just said she loved talking to people who are lovely to work with and Adrian, yeah. goes, we're going to put you under the pump. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Uh, so, but the other question I want to ask you is um, how do we impress you? If we're approaching you, Alex, how mm-hmm. do we approach you? <laughs> and, you know, literarily. And, um, and what impresses you? A cover letter? Uh, you know, a, a, a bio that that rhymes with you know lots of lots of pictures. Don't what? rhyme. Don't rhyme. Right. <laughs> Rhyming is out. What do we do? How do we how do we get involved with Alex Adset's literary agency? I did once have a pitch that rhymed. It was not. <laughs> was it in karaoke as well? No, it was not karaoke. It was rhyming, and it was really bad. Um, <laughs> sorry if you're listening. Don't rhyme. Um, don't, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a crime to rhyme. Mm, <laughs> yes. Risky. Thing is, like, be professional. It's like I want authors who, are, well, more than anything, I want an amazing manuscript that wows me. Full yep. stop. That's the biggest thing. But then I look to the author um, and, and I want somebody who's professional, who loves what they do, who's passionate about their writing, but also at the end of the day knows that this is a business that they need to navigate, that they've spent time in, that they support other authors, they go to book launches, you know, it is, it's an industry in itself. And when I get an author going, oh, I'm halfway through my manuscript, can I send it to you for some feedback? You're like, that's not how you approach an agent. That's not how you get into the industry by just sending something once you type the end. You, know, you, you don't have to work the industry in a cynical way, but it's about getting involved. You know, it is one of the things, again, that I love about it is that it's a community of people that love books. So join the community. And so authors that come to me and they're a name I recognise or they're somebody I've met at a launch party or I've seen them on Twitter tweeting about books that they love by other people, those are all authors that I'm going to look at a little bit more closely because I can see that they're kind of doing the work to be part of a community. Um, Other things, a really good cover letter would hopefully outline that. So a great cover letter would be, Dear Alex, I met you at this thing or I heard you talk at X. Here is my book about Coast Rural Coro because I heard you talking about it. You know, it shows that you've been paying attention. Yeah. Um, and it's still all that does is really make me pay more attention to your manuscript. So it's not none of them are deal breakers because it's the manuscript that needs to stand on its own. And you could be doing everything else right. And you could have even written an amazing manuscript. But if the manuscript doesn't actually click with me, I'm still going to be no because I'm not going to be the best advocate for it. Um, So I end up saying no to really strong, commercially viable manuscripts just because I'm not going to be the right person for them. Mm. Um, But if the manuscript ticks that box for me and I see that the author is professional and lovely and hardworking and all of that, then, yeah, 
that's going to be somebody that I'll want to work with. I love that. And after you just said all of that, it's funny because we've gotten a lot of feedback after we've done interviews with agents and publishers who've gone, oh, we've just gotten people who have just keep ringing me about the interview you did or <laughs> sent me a couple about the interview you did. Or I've doubled my manuscript assessments this week and I'm the, the receiving. So I'd be interested if you get some go rose, can you please let us know? <laughs> I will. I totally will. Yes. Oh, that would be so good. I don't know what I'd do with them. If I, I need to know them. this. You have a go ready to go. But I cannot stress enough. No publisher is telling me that this is what they want. Not one. Like, it's just Alex. Just, yeah. Alex just wants it for her yeah. own yeah. entertainment. Yeah, make it a thing. Make it a yeah. thing, I say. <laughs> Let's pioneer it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it is time. It is time oh, for... Get ready. <laughs> It is time for the anonymous author question. And as I said before, this is a um, this is a tricky question and the voice is disguised because uh, we want to protect the innocent, but we <laughs> want to put you under the pump here, Alex, with a tough question about publishing, being a literary agent, all that sort of thing. So here is your anonymous author question. What should new authors look out for when they get a contract offer and what are some of the scams out there? Ooh. What are some of the scams out there? I like oh, that. So many. Um, that's a, oh, that's not a hard question. That's what oh. I do. <laughs> well, when an author gets a contract, it's not just about the advance. The advance is often neither here nor there. Um, it's how much skin in the game the publisher has for it. It's looking at the royalties. Is it a fair and standard royalty? But even if like 10% of recommended retail price is the standard, Right. right, and that's very different from ten percent net receipts. That's something that authors get, you know, tripped up on sometimes. But then there's all this fine print under the base royalty that undermines what the publisher will pay you. And there are some publishers, some of the biggest publishers in Australia, who really work that fine print to undermine what they pay you. Yeah. So it ends up looks on the surface like it's all standard and fine, uh, but actually is really undercutting you depending on where the book is sold and like if you know lower say lower royalties on sales in big w and things like that yep so that's really something to watch out for another one is how long the contract goes for like every contract needs to have an exit clause um is hugely important to me and i've walked away from deals because there wasn't a decent reversion clause which is how the authors get the rights back so most contracts last for the life of copyright which is like 70 years from when the author dies Wow. Which is a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but then also needs to be a clause that says the author can get the rights back if the publisher's not doing their job properly. Mm. So that's the other thing to watch out for. And what would the author do with those rights? They would go potentially uh, go to another publisher. Yeah. Either right. like in this day and age, you could self-publish, yep. particularly if you've built up a lot of backlist, but you could go to another publisher. Absolutely. And there are actually quite a number of instances now where publisher A has just not really done the right thing with the book. It's not selling. Um an author might have built up a whole career with another publisher who's desperate to publish their stuff and knows how to do it really well. So if they can pull the rights back from publisher A, give them to publisher B, publisher B can put a really snazzy cover on it, tie it in with the other author's books and start selling really well. But unless the author has the control to get the rights back, they won't be able to do that. Yeah. Some authors don't like have the option to get the rights back and don't want it they want the cachet of staying with the publisher they like the publisher There's, you know you don't have to get them back but just having the control and the power to do that i think is really important mm. um some of the scams anyone calling themselves an agent who tries to charge you money is a scam <laughs> be very careful of that uh, i've seen agency scams out of the us where it all looks fine 
but there's um, if you want to leave, you terminate the agency contract, there's a $500 US fee. And I, the reason I think this is a scam is this person calling themselves an agent could just sign up anyone, you know, do nothing, wait till the author gets frustrated and then charge them $500 on the way out. Yeah. So anytime anyone actually is trying to charge you a fee, think really carefully about it. Like publishing, you know, publishers, traditional publishers should not be charging you a fee unless there is a really good reason and do your research and make sure it's a legit reason. Yeah. But the minute anyone calling themselves a publisher tries to charge you a fee, ask questions and do your research. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can dress it up. They're like, oh, we're not going to charge you a fee, but we need you to buy a thousand copies of the book before of we your publish own book. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or this is one I've heard recently. No, no, um, I'm a proper publisher, but I'm going to charge you for the mentoring to get there first. Right. And I had this whole debate with this woman in a, in a talk I was giving. She's like, I haven't paid to publish my book. I paid for mentoring. And I'm like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same thing, but okay. Like, if you don't want to call this self-publishing, we won't call it self-publishing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's like there's a, there are a lot of scams out there. But, yeah, so just do your research. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions on a contract. Like you can get someone like me, you can get someone like the ASA, the Australian Society of Authors, also do a contract review service and they're fabulous. Um, or just ask other authors. But, you know, all the publishers should never make you feel stupid for asking questions. It's in their interest that you understand what you're signing. And if they do get really condescending or if they do try to tell you that, you know, black means white, you know, really, again, go and do some more research because mm. they should be warning signs. That's a red flag, isn't it, right there? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Very useful advice, wouldn't you say, Absolutely. Jenny? Absolutely. And it's funny because we've spoken to a few agents, but we just get such different and new and useful advice from every single person we've spoken to. So it's been mm-hmm. amazing. And that particularly with all your contract uh, knowledge has been amazing. So thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> Contracts are my thing. Uh, there's maybe... <laughs> Ooh, three other people in the whole of Australia that cares about publishing contracts as much as me. And when we get together, it is so nerdy and we just have so much fun. I love the enthusiasm. I love it. Is there yeah. karaoke when you get together? Not with this. Sadly, the other contract people don't love karaoke. Like uh, what's wrong with them? You've got oh, some work yeah. to do, Alex. You got yeah, some work to I need do. to convert them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Alex. Your your all your advice has been invaluable. So thank you for sharing it with with us and all the listeners on Publishing Insider. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for chatting with me.